everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. This is Susan Garcia. Hola, bienvenidos a Voces Centroamericanas. Mi nombre es Alejandra Quiroz. Le agradecemos por sintonizarnos una vez más. So for today's episode, we have Rodolfo Menjivar as a guest on our show. Rodolfo was born in El Salvador, and at age one, he moved to Canada. Rodolfo, less than a week ago, just came back from El Salvador, which he visited for the first time ever since he left as a baby. Welcome, Rodolfo, and we're so happy that you joined us today on our show. Hey, thank you. I'm very excited to be on the show. It's actually my second time going back. I I went back once when I was 12. That's been, I'm 34 years old now. Right. So it's definitely, it's definitely been a while. 22 years since I've since the first time I went back and this time as an adult, as a man, and it was definitely a much different experience as the country has evolved a lot in those 22 years as well. Thank you, Rodolfo, to be with us today. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and how was growing up in Canada as a Central American? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so like you guys said, I was I left El Salvador when I was only one years old. Uh, so I'm pretty much Canadian. First language is English. It wasn't, I guess it wasn't an easy transition for my family. So when we got to Canada, we had nothing. Uh, my family went on welfare when we first got here. Uh, so we were poor until my parents could get jobs and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it was, it's a little, it was difficult being in school and stuff, being one of the only minorities in the school. Um, so just always having that feeling like I didn't fit in. Um, I looked different than the other kids. I dressed different, spoke differently from them as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just a lot of like, where do I fit in and not being happy and, and those kind of things and just never really knowing my place or feeling like I'm home. Those are some of the challenges in my in elementary. So when I was really young, mm -hmm. um, that kind of kept going. The like the feeling of not fitting in, like as I was growing up and right. getting into my teenage years, it led to feelings of anger and kind of like mm. wanting to rebel and getting into trouble. And yeah, it was kind of a slippery slope for me. Right, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. So to give us some context, so where exactly, could you tell us where in Canada you were at this time? And I guess more of like, was there a Central American community there? Just how, give, can you give us more about where you were in the community you were in specifically? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so Edmonton is the capital city of Alberta here. Uh, it's a fairly large city. I think we have just over a million people. There's definitely a, cent a Central American community here. Uh, we mm. even, at first, when I was pretty young, we lived in a, I guess, a, like a townhouse complex that was mostly Central Americans. Okay. Uh, so that was pretty cool. It was, it was kind right. of like a, a, like a new home there. Mm -hmm. And then, but then also too, at the same time is again, feeling like not fitting in um, because having come here at such a young age, English was my first language. Mm -hmm. And so my Spanish, everyone could tell it's not my first language. It, 
wasn't the best. Like I know enough to like get by and talk to people and understand what people are saying. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I talk, people know it's not my right. first language. So it was always kind of, again, not feeling like I fit in totally. Right. So were these, I guess, the Central American community there, are they mostly Salvadorian as well or from other countries? I definitely think the Salvadorian was the majority. Mm. Um, but there's definitely like I have friends from Guatemala, Honduras. I'd, I'd say those are the, the main three here. Honduras, right. Guatemala, and El Salvador. Um, Rodolfo, I know, you know, like you said, you migrated as a child. And I know that English is your first language. In the Central American community, um, how's the backlash of not speaking a good Spanish and how does that affect you personally? Hmm. It's a really good question. I think the backlash was mostly being the brunt of like some jokes here and there or like a little bit of teasing or like people saying things that like they knew I wouldn't understand Mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, Mm. I think that was more, more in my youth because like kids like to tease and tell jokes and things like that um as an adult now it's definitely i don't feel like it's an issue anymore Mm -hmm. as i think people are more mature and think it's it's i think it's better looked upon now that like oh someone can speak two languages whether like they can speak both of them at a high level or not it's i think it's something to be proud of right and especially Mm -hmm. growing up a lot of a lot of Salvadorians, or I'm sure a lot of immigrants that grew up here and aren't from their home country, for them to be able to speak any of that language, I think is an accomplishment. Mm, for sure, there's, there's a lot of True. Salvadorians that grew up here that don't speak Spanish. Right. Um, so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely it's, it's changed the way it's looked upon now. Yeah. So. Because when you were saying how, you know, like you were, I mean, you moved to Canada when you were one and quite naturally, your first language is going to be English, but you still knew Spanish. And I was thinking like, okay, my experiences, and I get, because again, like I was born and raised in New York. And I mean, this a lot of, there's a lot of first generation immigrants in the US and that's what I'm more familiar with. A lot of us, you know, like we can speak Spanish. It's not perfect, but it's, as you said, it, it's something, you know, like, it, yeah. again, a lot of us have never even been been in our home countries, but we can speak Spanish. And so I was just kind of, for me, confused as to why people were making fun of you. Like, were, I'm assuming they were people your age. Were they, were, weren't they born in Canada or? Um, I feel like a lot of people that I did know younger, they came at a later age. Okay. Because I, so, I was born in the, in the middle of the war, and the right. war didn't end right. until about five years after I came mm-hmm. to Canada. And then I feel like there was, once the war was over, there was a bigger influx of people coming right. to Canada. And so they right. were at an older age. Their Spanish was a lot better and things like yeah. that. Yeah. That's so interesting because. I mean, I guess like now in, I, I guess at this point, like as you were saying, you know, like back then it wasn't as established, I imagine, the community. 
Mm. Well, now, you know, it's very much normal for, you know, there's a lot of Central American, you know, children of immigrants who can't speak Spanish. Like even I have five younger sisters and with each one of us, I'm the oldest one with each one of us, our Spanish gets worse to the point where now the youngest one, the second youngest one, because the youngest one is a baby, but the second youngest one is she's six and my mom talks to her in Spanish, but she only replies in English. Yeah. And if we actually made her speak in Spanish, it's not going to be very good. And so it's just interesting to hear that now it's like a very much accepted thing. But hearing how people I mean, you didn't really have that support then since it wasn't established yet. So I imagine that must have been incredibly isolating because there was that lack of understanding within your own community, it seems. Yeah, definitely. That's why I just always felt like not fitting in like and with Canadians I felt like a Salvadorian and then with the Salvadorians I felt like I'm Canadian so kind of always on the outside um, wow. you make a really good point though with now there's a lot of Salvadorians or Central Americans being born in Canada and mm-hmm. so they're naturally theirs is their first language is English and so for any of them that know Spanish it's it's an accomplishment and um but um, how does so you're still there, right? You're right now. You're in the city where you first moved to. So how how is the Salvadorian or Central American community there now, or any differences that you've noticed there? I, I, I guess like as you grew up, and I guess just looking at now versus your childhood or teenage years. I definitely feel like the the younger community. I, I like to still call myself young. <laughs> 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 The younger community, like the ones that were young when they moved here or, or have been born here, are, mm-hmm. are asking more questions, are wanting to know more about El Salvador or where they come mm-hmm. from and wanting to be involved, wanting to go back or be involved some way in being able to help our home countries. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, def- people are talking. The com- I think the community is stronger and, and more unified now mm-hmm. and even as in where we work together more as in like el salvador honduras guatemala like we don't see each other as separate yeah we're just being more unified as a whole continent instead of just the individual nations there's a lot i feel like before it'd be like oh like the salvadorians would stick to each other the mexicans would stick to each other and oh, there, was, no. there wasn't as much oh. cooperation Right. I feel like that is definitely changing, at least here. Mm -hmm. Um, That's That's very interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like we actually, the episode that, you know, that we just talked about, uh, we were talking how about Central American community not be as unified. And you're talking how in Canada is more about the entire continent being more together. And I feel like if people... We'll see that, you know, it, I'm going to talk, um, seeing it from here, from the United States. I feel like we don't see that much here. I feel we're still taking sides and it's very interesting to see other point of view in another country, how our community has growth and have been, become more stronger because of getting together. Yeah, I definitely like, I like here, I feel like it's like the Central American community is, is working better that way. Mm. Um, because we really are Mm. the same people 
Um, and there's there's been a lot of people wanting to get more in touch with our roots. Mm. And I think I think that's what mm-hmm. ties us all together. Is if mm-hmm. we knew who our ancestors were, it's the same ancestors almost for all of Central America. Mm-hmm. So once we see, we can start looking at our similarities and what we have in common instead of our differences and oh you're from there and I'm from here mm-hmm. that's a big push in the right direction right so in edmonton are there you know as you said like you're it seems like the central american community is getting stronger and more unified are there community spaces or you know restaurants like i guess for me growing up there's a lot of pupuserias do you have any sort of that cultural scene that's been established or being established now there yeah like we have we have a few restaurants here mm-hmm. uh, that are specific to like el salvador or guatemala mm-hmm. or there's some that kind of have joined and offer a little bit of each country mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of festivals in edmonton edmonton's kind oh. of known as like festival city mm. uh, and so that like is a chance for depending on which festival, but the countries to come out and they'll have like their own tent and then they can have like dances from that country, food, uh, performances, that kind of thing. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity for people's cultures to be showcased here. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I, I think it's quite amazing because I think that, it seems like the time you came in seems when the Salvadorian community was being established there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as if there really wasn't much of a community there. And it seems that you basically have grown with the like Salvadorian or Central American community being established there. And I think that um, that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience. And it's something that I speak a lot that I've been speaking with Alejandra about, about, you know, people being born later kind of taking it for granted or not being exposed to this. Um, so it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear about, you know, like you noticing these, you know, Oh, like we're becoming more unified. Like we're asked, like starting to ask questions, which I think that at least online I've witnessed a lot, um, like Central Americans coming together because I feel like 10 years ago, this was not even maybe five years ago. This wasn't really happening, but even just virtually, Central Americans are like, I mean, we're trying to, as you said, trying to focus more on these similarities of like, hey, like, we let's not like stress out about the fact that like, oh, you're Panamanian and I'm from Guate, you know, like, let's not focus on that. But like, ultimately, we we share a lot of things, as you've said. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it's nice to hear that it's happening in Canada because that's not really, again, like, me and Alejandra know a lot more about the U.S. diaspora. Yeah. And hearing about the Canadian diaspora is something that I've, you know, I, I've seen that there's can, like Central Americans mm-hmm. in Canada and I've always wondered like, how is that like? Because I, I've been so used to thinking about it only in the U.S. context. Um, so I, I really do enjoy hearing that. Um, so how, can you tell us the story of how, go the decision to go back to el salvador happened yes um so i've i've been feeling the call or feeling a need to go home for quite a few years now Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. 
kind of what's kept me from there is just how people always, when people talk about El Salvador, they talk about how dangerous it is. Mm. Um, the gangs, mm. um, right. sometimes even the police, or just all the all the bad things that are going on. And and I like I also have tattoos on my arms. And mm-hmm. so people are like, yeah. oh, you can't go there. They're going to think you're a gang member. Or like, so people were always giving me all these reasons for me not to go. Right. And finally, like, I've just got to the point where, like, how I've mentioned before, I've always felt like I didn't fit in. And, like, I've been able to change a lot of my life over the last few years and Mm -hmm. had some, like, major accomplishments in my life and that kind of thing. But I still felt like there was something missing. Like, there Mm -hmm. is a part of my, my heart or my soul that was, like, incomplete. And I, f- I felt like I just needed to go home and maybe maybe that's where I would find it. And so I finally just said like, hey, enough of this, like being scared stuff and excuses. And in December, I think it was on, on Boxing Day. Do you guys have Boxing Day in the US? No, but I've heard of it's the no. isn't it like the day after Christmas? Yeah, it's the day after. So it's similar to Black to. Friday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, similar to Black <laughs> Friday, so it's our version, and so I booked my flights on Boxing Day. Oh. And I was just like, "All right, I'm going." Like, I didn't know where I was gonna stay. I didn't know what I was gonna do. Oh my god! But I just knew that. Okay, my flights are booked, so now like I need to figure everything else out because I'm going yeah. on February 16th or whenever I went. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so you had oh and how was it sorry i was just gonna how was it how was you going back and did you had any family over there yeah that's what i wanted to ask actually because you're saying how i mean as you were talking about this i was thinking about like when you're talking about um people saying these rumors or whatever and then like you saying how you had no like didn't know where you're gonna stay i'm wondering about like what your role in fam- like your family's role in all of this like what did they say about going back home or like, I guess support like supporting or not your decision of go- visiting. Um, they were, so I have two sisters and my mom, and they're definitely worried mm-hmm. like something might happen. And just and to give that a little context, like when we went back when I was twelve years old, yeah. um, I went back with my mom and my two sisters, and we got robbed on the bus. Okay. Um, we were going to the beach. Uh, we got robbed on the bus and that kind of thing. So it kind of left a sour taste in mm. our mouths, especially being so young, having something like that happen. Right. Yeah. And so they were definitely worried, um, but at the same time, supportive. And mm-hmm. like, I don't, like, I, I still have family there. Um, just not people that I know or that I talk to or anything like that. Like my my closest family is either in Canada or in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't actually see anyone that I was related to while I was in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Um, funny that one of my friends, he's been a good, really good friend of mine for about seven, eight years here. And the first few years I knew him, I didn't even know he was half Salvadorian. 
Oh, what? I had, I had, because he looks just straight like Canadian, white, right? Whatever, like doesn't mm. speak Spanish, like nothing. And all of a sudden, one day, he's like, "Yeah, like my my dad's family from El Salvador just reached out to me." And do do do, I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Your dad's family." <laughs> And oh wow and i'm like okay but so he recently <laughs> like he went back recently i think two years ago for the first time mm-hmm. ever wow and his family uh helped me out while i was down there oh that's amazing oh, that's nice yeah. that's really nice his, his aunt and her husband uh they picked me up from the airport mm-hmm. and his nice. aunt his aunt actually works at the airport so it just worked out perfectly and mm-hmm. i was able to stay with i stayed with them in san salvador the first night mm-hmm. and then they took me her her husband his name's roberto he was one of my favorite people i met down there mm-hmm. and he dropped me off at lago guantapeque Uh that was my next stay that i got to go to and so for anyone that doesn't know this lago guatepeque is a it's a lake in the in a volcano in a volcano yeah so it's a it's a dormant volcano and it's like the lake is at the top of like the crater oh god yeah so it's kind of like they say like the lake has like healing properties and things like Uh that and it's it's rated like one of the top 10 lakes in the world uh just for like its beauty and everything like the water if you you go in the fall i think they said august september the water changes color oh that's amazing yeah so that was that was i stayed there for three nights Mm -hmm. and then it's like that lake is pretty central in the country Mm -hmm. and so i did a bunch of tours from there right like i I got to go see uh, Tasumal Casablanca. So those are Mayan ruins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool because that was a big part of what I wanted to do on this trip home is to see the ruins and learn about the people that built them and that lived there. Mm-hmm. So right. like, like connecting with the ancestors, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. There was another site. What was the other site? San Andres. That's mm-hmm. also um, another ruins site. Um, so that was it was just kind of it's hard to find the words to describe being at those sites and knowing yeah. like my ancestors are the ones that built them and that they weren't biggest things like they weren't savages and like primitive and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're highly intelligent culture right. like we don't give them enough credit for all the accomplishments they made yeah that's amazing i imagine because i mean as you say that as you said you know like the media I mean, even our contemporary pop like you know our our people now he has so as it doesn't get enough recognition but even less so you know talking about like you know, before colonization or even indigenous communities now, as you said, don't get enough recognition or just positive words, positive sentiments. Um, So I I can't imagine how that experience must have been for you. Um, But right now, so far, you've only told us like 
so you went there February 16th, you said, right? Yeah, I think I think it was. Uh, I think actually, I think I left to Vancouver the 16th because I spent a couple oh, okay. days, a couple of days there. Mm-hmm. And then the 18th, I got to El Salvador. So yeah, so the ruins got to visit all of that and kind of see what these people were like and how smart they were with the locations. I'd say like the only part that was kind of disappointing about the ruins and and those sites is the the lack of resources dedicated to those sites mm-hmm. um like i'd say maybe 20 percent of it has been excavated oh and wow there's so much more that's still at these sites buried right. like just begging to be discovered and acknowledged and and just the work isn't being done right well um i just have a question um i think like you say i feel like the lack of resources to excavate all those ruins personally i didn't know el salvador had those sites so for me it's very interesting to know from a perspective of someone who visited because i feel like sometimes we um think that um, Maya ruins are only in Guatemala and like a little bit of Honduras and you know we don't think about how the civilization go through El Salvador and Nicaragua and all that like personally I didn't know that so probably because a lot of people don't know that actually exists in El Salvador that's the reason why people don't go and research more about it probably I don't definitely. know definitely like there's there was even friends of mine that when they saw pictures that I would post on Instagram or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. They're like, oh, El Salvador has pyramids? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, they, they do. And they actually have quite a few and they're like pretty amazing. And yeah, so it's like a lot of people don't know. And that's it's a it, that's a huge part of our history that we, we just don't know about. Right. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that either personally. Like, I thought the ruins, again, as Alejandro... I didn't know they were in Honduras, actually, either. I thought they were just in Guate in southern Mexico. Yeah. I didn't know it was in other countries. That's important. Yeah, because I have visited... Uh, yeah, I have visited one in Honduras. Oh, and wow. I didn't know Guatemala. Yeah. But, like, in, in El Salvador, like, honestly, when you said it, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know yeah, that. And too. It's really I, I had no idea. Like, if, if people will know more about it, I think they will research more and they will like to go and visit. And probably these resources that you said that they're lacking probably will come more, you know, available for everyone. Yeah, I hope so. Because that was, that was a big part of why I needed to go there and experience it. Because there's, like, I do a lot of research online and things like that about, like, ancient cultures. Mm-hmm. I can tell you more about Egypt's civilization than I can of my own. Mm. Like, there's been so much work done in Egypt and there's documentaries, right. books, everything. And like El Salvador, like it's, mm. it's hard to find information on it's true. You know, ancient cultures and on El Salvador. So then I was just like, okay, well I'm going and I'm going to just talk to people there and hear their stories. And, and there was, there was even one site that I didn't get to visit because uh, there it was closed there's only certain days you can go there and i didn't know that mm-hmm. and that was it's called hoya de seren mm-hmm. and that's actually it's called the pompeii of the americas and what? It, yeah where it was located close to a volcano 
I'm not sure when the volcano erupted, but it's been a while ago. Mm-hmm. And it just totally buried this town in ash. And so wow. the town, once they found it, everything was like perfectly preserved and everything. They found all these artifacts, people, homes and stuff. And like how wow. everyone used to live there. Um, so I have oh, never heard about this. Yeah. Nothing close. I have only heard about Pompeii. Yeah. So that's definitely wow. on my list for next time I go down there. That's insane. Wow. No one talks about these things. But I just... You know, when you hear about, I mean, I mean, as you said, I guess, you know, I was about to say like, oh, when you hear about El, like tourism in El Salvador, but then I was like, wait, if anyone even suggests that they're going to visit, it's always like, as you said, like, why would you go there? Like, it's dangerous. So it's like not even, even just going isn't discussed. So why would I hear about, you know, these tourist destinations or these sites that you've been talking about? Yeah, Exactly. And, and while I was talking to people there, cause I didn't, one thing I didn't want to do was spend my money on these big tour companies mm, yes. going to give me the local experience kind of thing. Right. And so right. I would hire local people mm-hmm. to drive me and take me to these sites and tell me about mm. things. And all of them were saying like, yeah, like El Salvador gets such a bad rap and like we're right. all good people. We're friendly people. We want to help. And that was a big part of what I learned down there is like if I needed something, like all I had to do was ask and people would like bend over backwards to help. Right. Like, oh, yes, like go this way or talk to this person or go, you need to go to this spot or like as you're walking around, like it's rare for people there to like walk by you and not say hi or acknowledge you in some way. Oh. Like wish you a good day or good right. night or just like everybody was so friendly and helping and not once did I ever feel endangered or threatened or anything mm-hmm. like that yeah and i feel this is what people miss when they listen to those bad um things about our countries and especially in el salvador how you know gang members and um, violence is over there i feel like because of people listen to that they don't want to visit and this is what people miss people miss actually how welcome um salvadorans are how amazing you know the country is and i feel like you you touch a really good point how you know you never felt in dangers and i feel like because guatemala el salvador honduras are always has that like if you say those three countries Mm -hmm. is always like equals violence right i feel like it's really nice to hear from someone that just visited over there that wanted to connect back with your country to realize that is nothing but just beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big part of what I want to help change is the way people look at El Salvador. And I feel like I can do that now that I've, I've been back. I'm like, Hey, like nothing happened. I'm still alive. I'm still in one piece. And right. you know, it was actually an amazing experience. Yeah. So what has, I mean, you haven't even had a week to process it, but I guess what are some of the thoughts and I don't know, conclusions, takeaways that you've been having in the past few days? One of the big ones is that I finally felt like I was home. 
Mm -hmm. like I fit in everything was good like nobody nobody there treated me like I wasn't one of them Mm -hmm. or like said anything to me because my Spanish wasn't like theirs or sometimes I had to ask like what did you say or like things like that like everyone took me in as their own and even like the family that was helping me like started calling me like their adopted nephew (laughs) everywhere like this one town I stayed in uh, the owner of the hostel I stayed at he invited me over to his house to watch some soccer Mm -hmm. there's like people from the community there um even like this one town was called Nahu Salco it's on the Ruta de Flores and I stayed there for a few nights and this at this place I was by myself the whole time and like I would go and eat people would sit next to me and talk to me and just like just as I'm another person from their town, like not like right. I'm a foreigner or anything. And just, it was just the acceptance and the, the love yeah. and respect that everyone gave me. It was just, it, yeah, it felt really good where I was like, oh, okay, like I'm home. Like right. that, that feeling of like the home feeling. I don't think there's a better feeling than that. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, that so is honestly I'm really happy for you. I have like the chills. How beautiful that bringing one for you. <laughs> because it's so amazing. I feel like going home and the feeling of I finally feel that peace in yourself and be like, I'm home. I feel like everybody should experience it. And it's so nice that you were able to do that. Definitely. I definitely think more people need to go and just just to see where they're from. Yeah. Or even if they're not from there. Um, just to go and see what the country has to offer because it's it's such a beautiful country like i'm sure like the rest of central america is the same it's all it's tropical it's hot we got beaches parks and like ancient sites it's like there's something for everybody And the food, yes. the food. Oh man! I wanted oh. to ask. Yes, <laughs> yes, the food. <laughs> the food. I mean, yeah, obviously, I like, like pupusas <laughs> everywhere. Uh huh. So that's that's something always to be happy about. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry>. yes. <laughs> um, like the like the carne asada. I had a lot mm-hmm. of that. Um, probably my favorite yeah. thing though was the yuca. Oh uh-huh. yes, and I, I still it. haven't had Central American yuca. No, but I really, no, Sana? it's not something. What? Like, I mean, I guess like my parents don't eat, but I hear I've seen uh, so many things online about it. Oh, I want to try it. So yeah. and, and, I have a question. Yeah. I have a question for you, Rodolfo. I don't know why, but I feel like everything that is in North Central American food tastes better in Central America. You can get like. I don't know. What do you think? Yes. With, with <laughs> the exception of, um, and I might be a little biased, I think my mom's pupusas mm-hmm. are the best. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like our moms cook so good. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, okay. that's, that's more than fine. <laughs> Other than other than that, like if I was to compare the food I ate down there to the restaurants we have here, uh-huh. I definitely would take the food from El Salvador. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, my mom cooks a lot, and then sorry to interrupt you. My mom cooks a lot, and then some food that she used to make back in Honduras does not taste the same here. Yes, she's always my because of the ingredients. <laughs> because of the ingredients. Yeah. And then that's why you know when you're talking about food, I'm just like, well, I I feel like the food over there tastes better because we have the ingredient that comes from or you know it's the same land they cultivate it you know local farmers you know and they put yeah. in yeah I, I don't i don't know i feel this better yeah <laughs> like it's it's fresher and it doesn't need to be transported or anything it's just and they get their food every day kind of thing like they're not they don't have huge freezers where they're stockpiling it mm-hmm. it's just you get what you need and then you use it and get more right yes yeah do you try any do you try something that you had never eaten before mm, not really like there's just the i don't know if i'm saying it right hikama hikama i have never heard hikama. of this what is this no it's like a it's fruit like, or is it classified as a fruit uh-huh. uh no but it's kind of like it it looks like a papa but it tastes like a little bit sweet and so yeah <laughs> like you can put lemon and lime on or lemon and yeah. salt on it and it's something that yeah. is rare to find in canada and if you do it's it's just not the same mm-hmm. so when i was down there i told my one friend that i made i was like i need to find some hikama <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people eat it with like limon and like salt yeah. so you can put like you can say like a, you can treat it as a yuca but it looks like a papa i don't know yeah just it's weird it but it's a really good yeah, I don't know what this is, but it's it's delicious. <laughs> there was that. Um, one thing that was different uh, was I went to Walmart on the last day, mm. and, and they they sell food there, and they had tamales. Really? So I I bought some oh, tamales wow. from Walmart. Were they good? They were they were good. They 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 tasted good. I just feel like they kind of cheaped out on the chicken. Right. Oh, it was, it was mostly <laughs> mustard. Wow. But, wow. But it, All my tamales. That's a concept. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something I definitely wasn't expecting. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what now? Like, what are you? Are you are you thinking of? You know doing this more often or what are you thinking i guess and yeah like i definitely have plans like even at this while i was down there i at uh, el tunco it's one mm-hmm. of the most uh-huh. famous beaches they have for like the surfing and whatnot mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of development in that area and i went into a real estate office there just asking questions like what do I need to do to buy something down here? <laughs> I'm going to settle down right here. Right now. <laughs> like I'd definitely love to own something there in the next few years. Mm-hmm. And, right. and kind of what I was thinking is turn it into either like hostel, hotel or Airbnb kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And like hire some locals to take care of it and to tour people around. Uh, so being able to bring tourists there. Mm-hmm. kind of just have something set up there where I can leave for the winters and not be cold. And yeah. and at the same time, it's helping the local economy and mm-hmm. help, helping the image people have of El Salvador. Yeah. Could wanna, yeah. That's another thing I want to be able to help 
down there because the day before I left, there's there was road blockades that started um, because certain communities are mad because they're not getting water. Mm. So it's like, how is it like in yeah. 2020, we have communities in the world that aren't getting water? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, mm. And I... Yeah, and I feel like that's uh, a big issue in El Salvador because I have been following about the water privatization yes. over there in El Salvador, yeah. and that has affected a lot of communities. Yeah, over yeah, because even yeah, so like at the house that I stayed at the last couple nights in San Salvador, mm-hmm. they're they're one of like the neighborhoods that's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, comparatively speaking, but even then, they're like we we only get water from this time to this time really wow so like if you're not like because then they have like a little reservoir that fills up right once, once water stops stops going into the reservoir they're like okay like you need to like ration the water because we we're not we're not going to get any more until tomorrow wow, wow. Like you're, not, you're not taking half an hour showers or right anything like that right or it's like you get in and get out kind of thing that's ridiculous wow yeah, so i'd love to be able it is water. to help with water education something i want to help and right it's, yeah it's kind of wow i found it hard prior to going there where it's like okay i'm in canada how do i help mm. so mm. now just being able to talk to people there and make connections and stuff i have like a ideas now at least mm-hmm and I have people that I can message and talk to and that kind of thing. So yeah. I'll definitely be going back more often. Oh, that's lovely. Now that that's you're really talking nice. about the water issue, it just reminded me of, I don't know if you do, you, do you know what CSPES? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen what they've been doing. And I guess also just for our listeners, but um, right now in Takuba, there's water defenders that are going on trial um, because they're trying to defend water and obviously the state doesn't support them. Um, but they're doing um, a lot of fundraising and like social media campaigns to try to um, pressure like the attorney general, um, the government, as well as just sending funds to support the water defenders and their family because their original trial was supposed to be in January and then when January came, it was like pushed back to February and then February came and now it's been pushed back to April. Um, and so like even now, like I imagine like their water supply, if you're, if you're saying that, you know, like a well-off neighborhood, like relative well-off neighborhood isn't having normal access to water. I can only imagine these, um, this neighborhood, this town. And so it's yeah. just letting you know out there that um, for anyone who's interested in supporting them in this way CSPES does great work with this but it's that can only do so much right it's a big yeah. issue and if, and I feel to people to understand that you know water is essential so it's an essential human right and it shouldn't be privatized or even it take it from you because water is honestly like is a vital life. thing that you need to survive it's life for us. like we can't have life without water right health mm-hmm. like how are we going to be healthy if we can't even bathe yeah it's yeah. true um well it sounds like this trip was life-changing it sounds like in terms of 
I mean, I guess we'll see, right? But it seems like it's a turning point for you. And as Alejandro was saying, it's like it brings a smile to my face listening about how what this trip meant and how you got here and what you plan to do. And I think it's amazing that, you know, you're, of course, like you're you're saying, like you, you want to reconnect, but also trying to f- find a way to also make it helpful. And while you're reconnecting, which I think is amazing. And I think that it's, it's a model for, for us to follow for people who also want to reconnect in the future or starting to reconnect now of how we can do that. Like what we need to think about. Um, Definitely. Cause if I could yeah. say like my last thought mm-hmm. is like, if for those of us that are Central American or like are from these areas, and we have the privilege to live in the Western world. That's a huge privilege. And it's like, why, why us? Why were we given such an amazing opportunity to have a better life? It means like we have, we have to give back as well. So it's like to, I always like this saying to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm -hmm. And Uh it's, it's, it should be part of our job as Central Americans living in the diaspora is to give back and help. Mm. Well, I think that's a really strong note to end our episode on. Thank you, Rodolfo, for your words and for being on our show today. Don't forget to check out our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Also follow us on Instagram at Centown Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Centown Voices Pod for more updates. And don't forget to come back next week to hear our newest episode. Mm-hmm.